1: Hi everybody and welcome to the Friday edition of Just a Game. I am me, you are you. Welcome to the show. I'm glad you could be here. Uh, We are uh, less than a week away from the start of the NHL regular season, although we are heading into the Thanksgiving long weekend here in Canada. So uh, for some, a little bit of a late start to the season. Um, Welcome. Welcome. Everybody is welcome. Uh, We are an inclusive podcast uh, broadcasting today from Treaty 6 Territory, as a matter of fact. Treaty 6 Territory. Um, We've got a lot of ground to cover. Holy cow, since last we spoke, uh, the Toronto Blue Jays uh, management, uh, whoever you want to, you know, nobody's ever going to take full responsibility, but somebody shot themselves in the foot. Uh, And what a waste that season was for the Jays. Uh, We'll get into that. Um, Some NFL news. The big news um, really for us is the fact that it appears for the second time there's a deal in place for the Calgary Flames to get a new home. This seems to be a done deal. This seems to be signed, sealed and delivered. Everybody said all the right things. Everybody uh, shook the right hands, so to speak. Uh, um, However, uh, we'll remember a couple of years ago and close to Christmas, The rug got pulled out of from underneath everybody's feet. So um, once the shovels get in the ground, once the piling start, I I guess I'll feel a little bit more comfortable. Uh, But until then, it's still, you know, still no pictures to look at. That's the crazy part. Still no pictures to look at. Uh, Let's get right to it, though, uh, with our guest. And he's coming back and joining us uh, courtesy of Ski Cellar Snowboard, skisellersnowboard.com. 76 years. In Calgary, soon to be 77. Two locations are open right now. McLeod trail by Chinook center, uh, Bowridge road, Northwest. I don't know where you were this morning when you woke up, but where I woke up, it was about minus five, minus six. So we know the white stuff is going to come at some point. We know that everybody's going to rush off into the mountains pretty quick. Uh, so make sure you check them out. Ski seller, snowboard, ski seller, uh, from the athletic, the hall of famer, our friend is back. there. to joins us on a Friday. Um, I think he's there. Eric, are you I'm here? Can you hear me? I'm here. I'm here. I'm here. I cannot see him, nor can I hear him. But that's okay. That's the way oh. things work around here. Uh, it just takes a while, and then we'll, we'll get him on. Um, he's uh, kind enough to join us this week. He's going to be back next week, too, when the season opens up. And then we'll get back it. There he is. Um, hello, Mr. DeHatchik. How are you?
2: i'm really good i'm really good it's friday afternoon it's thanksgiving weekend the sun is out the temperature's just going up i got a tea time at water valley on uh, sunday life is pretty great <laughs> <laughs> yeah i
1: would say so i i would say so i i think john bean thinks life is pretty great let's start there i know we don't spend a lot of time talking about the locals but the this news of an arena um, we did this on the old show mm-hmm. for many years. We talked about the possibilities. We watched Edmonton get a new building. Uh, the, I, I know I, off the top I said, you know, the rug got pulled out before. This does kind of feel like they're finally across the finish line for, for real, doesn't it?
2: Yes, uh, and I actually watched the live stream from, I think it was City Hall, uh, on, uh, on on Twitter on uh, a couple of days ago, and uh, it, it looked like, there was enough of a consensus from all of the parties and that, that it's hard to imagine that it could go off the rails again. But as you say, you know, for, you know, this has happened before until there's shovels in the ground. I don't think that uh, that anybody is going to be happy. Actually, I don't think until there's a ribbon cutting ceremony that some people are going to be happy because it's going to take forever. And there are so many steps along the way. So this is, this is the beginning of the beginning and uh, you know what they they talking about 2026 2027 at the earliest you know the, the, when does when does anything get built on time anymore it just seems like uh, uh like there are delays and delays and delays so we'll see we'll see but i do think that in terms of of you know there's two issues there one is that you know how that will affect uh, the city of calgary uh, and the fan base of the calgary flames and then how the hockey team operates, because so much of what we heard uh, in the past six or nine months focused on, you know, people, do they want to be here? Do they not want to be here? The subject of of an old antiquated arena kept coming up. You'd think, okay, it's your workplace. It shouldn't matter that much, but clearly it does. And clearly when you're trying to attract free agents to your team and and to try to make your team and your city a destination, things like, you know, a brand new state-of-the-art building matter a lot. I mean, I, I was covering the team when the saddle dome was a state of the art facility and, uh, and, and, you know, w- you know, people would come here and they, they would marvel at, it, at, at the innovation, at the design, at the amenities that they had here, that, that they, you know, that weren't available anywhere else. So, um, you know, that, that was 83, a long time ago, <laughs> but, but. Let's keep our fingers crossed that uh, that this thing goes forward and that it's a good deal for everyone. You know, the one thing about it is that you know I, I have a you know large circle of friends here, and and not everybody is a hockey fan. And and when we discuss this project, they want there to be something in it for people that that aren't concerned about you know forty one home games annually for, for the Calgary Flames. Will this help create a renewal of of that part of town? Will it be good for for the city? you know, going forward 10 years, 15 years, 20 years, will it create this vital downtown area that, um, you know, that that's part of the, the theory behind, uh, behind pouring all of this, uh, these resources into it. So we'll see. We'll, we'll see. We'll keep our fingers crossed.
1: Yeah. Well, and for me, you know, I'm still blown away, absolutely blown away that we don't have pictures to look at. I don't know so, how you're selling anybody on a dream. I don't know how you're selling. To, to me, I know we've got, you know, city blocks to look at but there's no vision for this there's no like give me some of the sizzle sell me some of the sizzle and and there should be some new technologies eric i mean we look at what's going on in vegas there
2: should be some new technologies that this building will have well you're right and ryan pike asked that question uh, at the press conference of when there would be some schematics and the answer was in time so not great but but i do remember um because when it looked like the the first building was uh was going online. I did a story for where I worked, the Athletic. Um, we had we had an architecture. Uh, uh, um, uh, um, what's the word I'm looking for? A, a series of stories on, on on building construction. And It was in the context of you know what do you do during a pandemic and will people ever feel safe in in, in you know in an area in, inside a building and and uh, and then speaking to various people that that build buildings for this story. Um, they, they, it was, it was phenomenal. Like essentially, you know, a couple of people characterized it as really what it is, is one giant television studio with 18,000 seats or however many seats there are, because every seat is going to be wired. There has to be, you know, every single patron nowadays is going to need Wi-Fi because they're looking at their phones. They're taking pictures with their phones. They're placing a bet with their phones. So when you think about the things that were important in 83 uh, compared to the things that are important now, it, it's it's a night and day difference. Um, so yeah, and and the the beauty of, of being, you know, the latest and, and the greatest is that you can take advantage of all of the the latest technologies, so we'll see, you know, what streaming does for for broadcasting in the next, you know, five to ten years, and how television rights deals are, will change, and 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 how many people will need to be in the building at any given time to broadcast games, to to do the radio broadcast, to to write stories for websites, and if there are any newspapers left uh, by then. Um, so yeah, it. Uh, um, I don't have the specifics of any of those things in mind, but you can certainly find it uh, on our website if you if you do a search and you're a subscriber, because it, it was a fascinating uh, project, and it wasn't just uh, indoor buildings; it was outdoor buildings, and um, and you know the technologies are. Uh, uh, in terms of concrete and, and, uh, and soundproofing, um, washrooms, I, I mean, everything, they're thinking of everything these days, uh, uh, you know, a, 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 an area for, for people who have uh, dogs and, and, uh, and, and need to have a, a rest area for dogs. I mean, it, it's incredible what they're thinking about in terms of new buildings right now.
1: Um, well, we'll leave the building. Uh, let's talk a little bit about the hockey club. Um, I think locally, clearly, lots of stories coming in. I'm not sure how big a, a story the Calgary Flames are league wide heading into this season, but new captain, coach, and general yeah. manager.
2: Well, I popped by a couple of days ago uh, uh, when they were practicing at Winsport. Uh, you know, and that day, Brian Huska was speaking, Jonathan Huberto was speaking, Nathan Cadre was speaking, and Jacob Markstrom was speaking, and I thought at the end of that, I said, well, "Here really are the, the the four pieces that will matter the most for for a successful season." So you know, first of all, you know, the atmosphere is is way lighter. You can just you can just tell you know, Kadri was was wrapping up a fairly long availability because there were a lot of questions about the Blue Jays. So Huberto was waiting patiently and they were kind of teasing each other back and forth about, you know, like how hard Huberto shoots or doesn't shoot and how often he's going to shoot and so on and so forth. And just the, the kind of of banter that you're supposed to get from any hockey team. I mean, you, you play in your beer league team, when I used to play, when your kids used to play. I mean, part of... Uh, the joy of playing the sport is is the back and forth, and 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 just and that seemed to be missing last year. It just didn't. It seemed like a very serious business, and so so right away that seemed like a positive sign. Um, I, I, I every time I listen to Ryan Huska speak, I, I'm impressed at how detailed and 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 aware he is. I was going to say nuance, but it's more than that um, because there's a, there's a tendency, I think sometimes for people to go into coach speak and then you just hear the same blather over and over again. And, uh, and when, when, when the question about, you know, Huberto came up, the easy answer would be, yeah, he needs to shoot more. And, but the, the real answer and the correct answer was, we, we need to rely on him to use his instincts as a star player in the National Hockey League to decide when is the right time to shoot and when is the right time to pass. And so, yes, you know, we do think he has a good enough shot and and and, and uh, if he increases the volume then that will maybe allow those passes to get through a bit more but I thought okay that's the right answer you know you have to trust his instincts you can coach him you can you can uh you can give him some feedback and, and input but if you the minute you start telling him to do something that goes against his natural his grain then 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 he's he's not going to have a a successful season you know i, I think about you know, I watched the NFL because I've got Justin Fields in my fantasy team and, and, you know, look at the change in him in, in two, from the first uh, two weeks to, to the third and the fourth when, when basically the only difference was just play freer, right? Just play freer. And that, that's, that's so critical in, in every professional sport. So, um, and, you know, and, and then, you know, cadre just seems like a, like somebody who's going to come back and, and, and to a much more impactful player uh, than he was uh, a year ago. I mean, it, it wasn't that long ago that he was that X factor on a Stanley Cup championship team in Colorado. And when he wasn't there last year, they had no, they had no way of replacing him. They were just simply wasn't the same team. So if he can be that important a player, that short of time ago, he can be that player again uh, in, in Calgary. And then, you know, and, and then, you know, Markstrom, same thing, you know, two years ago, he looked like, you know, a top five goalie in the National Hockey League in last year, very average. And so if you get the kind of goaltending you know you can get from Markstrom, if you can get the type of two-way play you know you can get from Coddy, if you get the type of offense you know you can get from Huberto, and if Ryan Huska as the coach, can can keep it all together, and, and he's given me every indication that he can, I, I think there are a lot of reasons to be hopeful for the season that lies ahead for, for the Flames.
1: Well, today is Friday. That means your notebook comes out at The Athletic. Um, So we may as well follow the path of the former general manager to his new home. Um, You made a bold prediction today. Um, I was going to ask you about two, uh, you know, uh, challengers or or, or picks or favorites. Uh, But let's talk about the Toronto Maple Leafs. Um, What's caught your eye?
2: Well, yeah, so the, the piece you're referencing is the fact that, uh, well, next week, uh, our, all of our staff predictions will, uh, will come out. And it's funny, I had a great conversation with uh, Ray Ferraro this week for another story that's publishing next week. Um, and Ray works for ESPN, and they're make, forced to make predictions. And he said when he makes his, uh, he, he calls them guesses, not predictions. And I thought, okay, that, that is a much better way of saying it than what we do, because that's what it is. It's an educated guess. You try to take you know, the information at hand, And you assess it and then, and then you make a guess and then, you know, sometimes you're right. And most of the time you're wrong. But, um, but I was sitting there, you know, after the assignment came and, you know, looking at the teams and just collecting your thoughts in your head. And it's like, you know, I think this could be Toronto's year. And and the more I thought about it, the more I thought, you know, I'm going to try to make the case for why this is Toronto's year. And, and partly it's a, it's a roster construction thing. And partly it's, it, it is, it is the fact that, that nothing, operates in a vacuum in in the National Hockey League. So if we start at that point, the best division in hockey, in my opinion, is the Atlantic division. And right now, I think the best team in the best division in hockey is Toronto. And that's because last year they were the second best team and the team that finished ahead of them, the Boston Bruins, I think has taken a step back. This is not rocket science. I mean, there, there is no Patrice Bergeron there. There is no David Krejci there. They weren't able to go into the market because of cap constraints and, and find someone that could fill in as a true number one and a true number two. So they are cobbling together a center ice core from among Pavel Zak had a great year last year. Charlie Coyle, serviceable NHLer. You know, young kid, platras don't know a thing about him. Um, that that is not the same. That is not the same. And and the reality is, even if they had returned the same team. You know, 65 wins like Boston had last year, that, that just isn't doable again, I, I don't think. So, you know, then you go through the, the uh, improving teams. Yes, Detroit is better. Yes, Ottawa is better. Yes, Buffalo is better. Well, the long history of the National Hockey League is better is one thing, but the first step is making the playoffs. And then rarely does a team make the playoffs and then surge all the way through the playoffs. It can happen but mostly you climb the ladder one rung at a time. And those teams are still, you know, in the bottom third of that ladder. So I don't think they're ready to win. Montreal, they're the last place team. They're on the way, but a long way off. And, and Tampa is starting without their, you know, their Vezina trophy caliber goaltender. They're all a year older you know they've they've done a great job of of keeping that nucleus together to compete for as long as they possibly can by sacrificing a lot of futures to you know to to get the pieces to support the core group um, but but they're they look like they're hovering um, and and I think that uh, that's the best you can say about them and then you know Florida's a wild card too and I you know they barely made the playoffs last year and if perroski doesn't play the way he did in the playoffs, they're probably not in the finals. So the net of all of that is that Toronto is the best team. Does the best team always win? No, but, but I think they have a legitimate chance. And then then you look at the roster construction. Okay, I get it. There's a, there seems to be a big hole on defense. Um, they, the only consequential move they did was bringing in one of the worst defensemen in the National Hockey League last year, John Klimberg. Why did they do that? Well, the reason is they got very little offense from defense last year. You know, they had Morgan Riley who had like, I think 41 points and, and, and Marchio 24, I think Rasmus Sandin was third. If you count the 52 games he played there before he got traded to Washington, but it, it's thin They they do not have a, a, a modern style defense. They don't have a Cam car. They don't have a, a Devontae, they don't have an, an Adam Fox. They, they don't have a Quinn Hughes. So, you know, the, you know, and they're not, those guys aren't available. So the thing about Klinberg, yeah. He was not very good defensively last year and he didn't really even have that great an offensive year, but it wasn't that long ago that this guy was an important player on Dallas. And I just remember the way he played against Calgary in the bubble. He was a really good. Player. And you know, who else would remember how he played in the bubble? Bradtree Limick, because that was against Calgary, the team he was running at the time. So it's a, it's a, it's an inexpensive gamble to bring in a guy that gives you a piece. Uh, and and helps you in an area where you're you're weak and the reality is you know the team that goes on the ice on October 10th or 11th or whenever their first game is is not necessarily the team that you'll have in place on March the 3rd or 5th or 7th or whenever the trade deadline is you can tweak and and move people around but I you know I think the moves up front to get grittier you know Bertuzzi's going to help Domi's going to help they're they're Top twelve is better today, I think, than than a year ago. Their goaltending is pretty much the same. It was it was good enough last year. I mean, Samsonov did beat Vasilevsky in in the first round. Aiden Hill won a Stanley Cup last year. Darcy Kemper won a Stanley Cup the year before. I don't think you need the second coming of George Vesna anymore to necessarily uh, in goal to necessarily win. So I think I think they they could easily be in the final four. And once you're in the final four, you know who knows it, it can go any way. It, you know who's hurt, who isn't, who's who's playing well, who's, you know, out of gas, you know, there's so many variables in, in the league, but I do think, you know, like it's so easy to to just say oh, Toronto won't win because they never win. Uh, that's, you know, that, that to me is a bit specious. I, I just think that you have to analyze where they're at. Uh, they have a good team and, and things that make them good are still there. They still have Austin Matthews. They still have Mitch Marner. They still have Nylander. They still have Tavares. Those guys are good hockey players. In the case of Matthews, he's a sensational hockey player. So, so we'll see. I mean, I, I'll, I'm probably wrong, but but I do think that there is a strong case to be made that this could be their year.
1: Yeah. I, and the reason I wanted to ask you, and you, you, by writing this, it just works out perfectly because I was a little taken aback this week when I read, um, you know, friends of ours up in, in Edmonton referring to the local team there as the Stanley Cup favorite. And I'm like, I, I thought that's a little presumptuous. But as I did a little dig, digging, there seems to be a general consensus that, Edmonton in the West, Carolina in the East. Is that, you know, your pick aside, do you see those two teams as, as potential favorites?
2: Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Well, I, I think you can make the case in the West for about four teams. You know, I, I mean, one of the things that like, that I'm working about, working on right now is, you know, uh, assessing where Vegas is at and and which Vegas essentially we're going to see this year, the one that won the Stanley Cup last year or the one that missed the playoffs two years ago. It's, it's, it's crazy, uh, but they have they have a really good team and they have a big team and a strong team, and so I think you have to think that Vegas is in the mix. You have to think that Edmonton's in the mix. Um, you know they 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 were a little unlucky not to beat Vegas uh, in the playoffs last year. Their goaltending faltered at, at a point where where it, it they needed a, a little bit more st- stalwart netminding, and and in fact it was Vegas that got it when Aiden Hill came in for Laurent Vosgien was got hurt. So, um, it, you know, such a, you know, I don't have to tell you as a goaltender <laughs> how, yes. All right. Uh, how, how, you know, it, it can, it, you know, it can turn on a dime at, at that position. So if, if you look again at what they've done, I, I think, you know, it, it, you know, it, it's, it's weird factors. Like is, is Matthias Ekholm really going to be healthy or is this hip bothering him in training camp going to linger. And if it is going to linger, then they're not strong enough on defense either because, you know, nurses fine and and Bouchard is getting better and, and Kulak and CeCe, if they're a third pair, that's one of the better third pairs in the league, but, but they're, you know, that second pair is, is a little bit up in the air right now. Connor Brown's going to help if he comes back from that knee injury. Um, they're you know McDavid is McDavid sidle is sidle, that you know they're they're really good and, and hungrier than ever and so yes yeah, so I would say in if if again if you're sort of just looking at percentages Vegas and Edmonton for sure in the Pacific um, you know Colorado I think has they've got a lot of questions there I mean five of their top nine forwards. Uh, that will play in their top nine are, are new this year. And some of them are, are players with lots to prove, like Jonathan Drouin, like Ryan Johansson. But if these guys can be the best versions of themselves, um, you know, and they can supplement the things that McKinnon and Rantan and McCarr and, and Taves do, then, then you know, Colorado absolutely has to be in the mix. And then uh, Dallas would be the other team that, uh, that I think a lot of people are talking about. Uh, again, you know, very, very strong 1-12 to 12, uh, group of forwards, um, a solid defense. You know, Heiskanen, I thought, took a step up last year and is now a top 10 defenseman in the National Hockey League. And, uh, and Ottinger is one of the best young goaltenders in the league. So if you were to look at the West and try to at least come up with a pool of, 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 of favorites, those would be the four. If someone else comes out of the West, that's not them. I think that will be a surprise to most people.
1: Carolina is is interesting to me as we drift over to the east uh, um, because it, it, they still have to prove, but boy, they the, the last couple of years they they're almost bulletproof. The decisions that Don Waddell and Rod Moore make they just seem to push the right button.
2: Yeah, uh, and, and you know, to me, Carolina, you know, the the first issue is is the health of goaltenders because Freddie Anderson seems to get hurt every year, and Angie Rantanen seems to get hurt every year, and they have a good young Russian in the minors, Kachetkov, who uh, signed to a one-year, one-way year one contract for four years. He c- potentially could be the starter at, at some point this year, and maybe by the time the playoffs roll around. So I think that they feel that they have enough insurance at that position to be fine, especially in the context of, of the system that they play there. Um, their defense, if you go one to seven, uh, there may not be a, a deeper defense than, uh, than Carolina's. Um, you know d'angelo helps on the power play brent burns was really good there on the power play slavin is one of the best quote defensive defensemen in the game pesci and and shea are still there real good shutdown pair i mean they've got depth uh, at uh, that position and the only thing that i think people wonder about is you know who is their best forward probably aho what will he score you know will he be a top 30 scorer in the national hockey league probably not so you're going to need to get you know, scoring by committee a little bit, and then you need to win a lot of low-scoring games, and they have been able to do that because you know their possession numbers are off the charts. The way, the way they, the way they play, you know, they, they just put so much pressure on 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 teams, uh, and 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 they have teams off balance all the time. And and I, you play Carolina now, you know what's coming, and it's still really hard to to defend against. Uh, but I think that often, you know, you look for that one thing, one quality that puts a team over the top. And, and that would be my only question or quibble with Carolina. What is the one thing they have this year that they haven't had in the past that puts them over the top? And, and I have no good answer for that. I have no good answer for that. Like I think Austin Matthews can put Toronto over the top. You know, I think that Kucherov has, has historically put Tampa over the top. Nathan McKinnon has put Colorado over the top. Who, who is going to put Carolina over the top? And I I don't have an, Maybe, maybe you have one. Could be Aho. I mean, he's a good player, but, you know. <sighs> yeah. Yeah, good.
1: Again, they they remind me a little bit. They're more talented, but they remind me of the Minnesota Wild. Right? Mm-hmm. They just kept coming. At, they come at you a waves. They come at you in structure. They come at you, and there's nothing that you go, wow, I wish we had that on my mm-hmm. team. But boy, I wouldn't mind any of it,
2: Yeah, if that makes any sense. It does. And and, but the one thing I would say is that, you know, and I don't have Minnesota in my favorites, but at least when I see Kaprizov, I think, okay, there's a guy that could put you over the top. They have that one guy that can be a a game changer. I mean, he, you you know, he had some injuries last year, but he could be a 100-point guy this year, and he could be a difference maker for sure. And I don't see that in Carolina, unless it's Sveshnikov. You know svechnikov's coming off a serious injury though had 55 points last year second overall pick a guy that i think a lot of people think can become a star in the national hockey league but has not got there yet and then coming off an injury like like his you know will he get there this year or will it take another year you know again the history of, of that kind of a serious knee injury is that you know good this year better next year
1: uh, two more Eastern Conference teams, one off the ice, one on the ice. Let's start with Ottawa. New ownership, new president of hockey operations. It, it seems like Steve Steos was just in a Flames uniform not that long ago. Um, what do you make of, of you know, moving on from the Melnick era to what is, you know, already they're adding staff? Um, how significant is the ownership change going to be in Ottawa in your estimation?
2: Well, uh, I think stability, in, uh, you know, it, uh, at the ownership level is really important in in the National Hockey League and all in all of professional sports. Um, it looks like this is stable ownership going forward, but but you never know un- until someone has has owned a team for. A period of time, uh, you know what that, how that actually translates. Um, you know there are there are owners that, uh, that that buy a team and, and are 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 so mesmerized by being NHL owners that they can't help themselves, and they need to know what's going on and here and 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 sometimes you know the the, the hockey operations group uh, underneath sometimes chafes at, at that. Um, my answer is always you know like if, if, if it's your team you, you should be able to know the answer to that but it, it's just difficult to predict i think like i say it looks like a, it looks like a stable ownership group um, time will tell if if, uh, if that's the case or not but what i will say about Ottawa is that i really like their team on on the ice because the one thing that they have done is that they've they've done a really good job of doing Drafting and and developing young players, and and maybe some of it is just the luck of players falling to them. You know, I look at Tim Stutzley. Okay, so the third overall pick in in, in the draft, um, the two players that went before him have had zero impact at the NHL level. You know, they may still be really good. You know, Lafreniere uh, and and, and Byfield, but you know, it's getting, it's time for these guys to take the next step and, and anything you saw from them last year and probably so far in training camp is that mm, they're not ready yet. And then, you know, Stutzler looks like a star in the league and a star at a position, uh, you know, this is with an interesting debate, right? So I think LA probably took by field because they were thinking, okay, you know, big, strong guy, Kopitar is getting older by the time he's ready to step in and be a number one, or at least a number two center that will, you know, coincide with, probably the last years of Andre Kopitar. Well, now he's playing the wing with Kopitar because, you know, center is a really difficult and challenging position to play. Whereas Stutzley, you know, was seen as someone, well, he'll probably end up having to play the wing and now he's, a, he's the center. And I think he's pushed Josh Norris down the depth chart to number two. So it's fascinating how development turns out. You, there's drafting and then there's developing. So uh, Brady Kachuk, you know, seemed like a consolation prize at the time. He's really, really good. And so, uh, you know, they've done well for themselves with, with the draft choices they, they've made. And, and I think the other thing that's, that's impressive is that, um, and maybe they've had to overpay a little bit, but they have managed to convince some of these young players to sign these long-term contract extensions. And to me, that what sets Ottawa and Winnipeg and Calgary apart is that those are small Canadian markets. And not everybody wants to play in them. And if you have really good players and you can convince those really good players to lock in for the long-term, that that's, that's a win, you know? So, you know, I, I hear people say that, you know, Pierre Dorian's job might be in jeopardy and they might want to, you know, go in their own direction because often new ownership does that. I think if you really analyze what he did, analyze what he did, analyze the haul he got in the Eric Carlson trade, look at these moves, even something from, from Alex to Brinkett, pretty good. You know, like he, he's pretty, he's been pretty good. And so I'm always reluctant to part with someone who, if you look hard at their record, they seem to have done a a very good job.
1: The New York Rangers, I, I, in, in the glory days of sports writing, you know, I was often told you know, you always read the guys that you don't agree with because they make you think. And so I've always been a Larry Brooks guy because Brooks cha- Brooks he challenges me, and you know, he, he just does. What's going on over there? Like it, it, I haven't paid close attention, but it it seems you mentioned um, sure. uh, uh the and the other uh, the Finnish young forward, Kapokako, um, yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. What what is going on with the ring? Because it was. Wasn't that long ago that the Rangers looked like that was going to be one of the quickest rebuilds in the history of hockey?
2: Yeah. Well, no, I I mean, it's a really good question because I think last year they felt that they were really close. And that was the whole point of bringing in Tarasenko and Patrick Kane as as rentals. And then, you know, Kane wasn't what he could be just because of his uh, of his hip issue and and who knows where he ends up surfacing in the National Hockey League. It's not out of the question that he'll go back to New York at some point uh, when he's ready to play. You also hear Detroit as a possibility. You hear Buffalo as a possibility. So, um, you know, that's one of the things that's kind of percolating in the background in New York. Like, can you get Patrick Kane, you know, by December the 1st? And if so, you know, where does he fit in and, and does he that connection with uh, with Panarin because it didn't seem to be there last year but that was the reason that they they went out of their, out of their way to get him so I mean I, I think they felt that um, the development of some of those young players was stalled because Gerard Gallant really likes veteran players and you know like I, I can't believe they moved on from him when you look at his results in New York and in Vegas I mean you know it's win this is a winning industry you have you need to win and he has pretty much won wherever he's gone. So the fact that they moved on from him suggests that they felt that moving to Peter Laviolette will give these younger players a greater opportunity to flex their muscles and, and show they can contribute. Well again, I'm like you, I'm following training camp and it sounds like it's just been just been okay. And and they haven't really stepped up in a meaningful way to, to think that you know players of that draft pedigree, first overall, second overall, by now should be closing in on top six roles. And and that's not the case now, you know, on the plus side, you know, they have a really good team anyway, even, even if these guys are third liners playing with, with, with Hedl again. So, you know, I think they're, you know, they're, they're a good team. uh, And they're, they're a team that if everything works for them, and if Shusterkin can play the way he did two years ago, he was, he was a very good goalie last year, but he was all world two years ago. So, you know, in the same way that uh, you know everyone in Calgary is hoping that Markstrom can, you know, return to a level that he was at two years ago. I think the feeling in New York is that if Shusterkin can do that, then that alone is going to make them, you know, a candidate for for first place in in that uh, in that division. And it, it's it's an interesting division too, because you know you've got Pittsburgh making one last gasp with this veteran corps supplemented by the Norris Trophy winner and Eric Carlson. Um, you know, I, I like veteran players and the older I get, the more I uh, think that, you know, people often look past um, you know, people who are getting on in years unfairly. <laughs> and so, I, I, I mean, there's a part of me that, that really wants to see one last hurrah of, of, of Pittsburgh. But let's face it, you know, New Jersey's an up and coming team made huge strides last year. Can they hang on to that? Don't know. You know, like, I'm not sure about their goaltending. They're going to try and integrate a couple of really blue chip young defensemen. Uh, in the lineup, but they took two experienced NHL defensemen out of the lineup to make room for them. Maybe they go back a half a step. Not sure. Um, Rangers again, you know, they'll win quite a few more games than they lose enough to win the division. You know, to me, Carolina, New York, New Jersey, I think they're all going to be separated by a couple of points. And then I just don't know what to think of, of Pittsburgh, but there is a part of me that thinks that they're going to be really good too. So, um, so, you know, we'll see how, how it all plays out. The one team that everyone seems to completely be looking past is Washington. Yeah. yeah. So again, I, I look at their team and it's not bad. You know, like it's not bad. I mean, Darcy Kemper, you know, was in the winner's circle fairly recently. Um, John Carlson's coming back from an injury. Tom Wilson's coming back from an injury. Nextoff is coming back from an injury, Backstrom. Played half a year last year, probably going to be a lot better this year than he was coming back from, from that injury. Um, TJ Oshie, you know, you never know with him, he probably always just going to be about a 60 game a year player, but boy, with all hands on deck, not bad, not bad. And I think we're all a little distracted by the Ovechkin pursuit of the Gretzky record, which I think is 72. So he's not going to get it this year. Um, but that'll be percolating and hovering in the background. And, uh um but i think they're capable of winning winning some games and you know they've got a, a a young coach in there that might you know bring some new ideas to the mix and revitalize some of these players that have been there for a while and may it, where it may have gotten a little bit stale so uh so they're a they're one of those sort of five x factor kind of teams that are you know sort of what we like to call the mushy middle and it could go either way you know the if the injury prone players all get hurt again And if the younger players in in their system don't step up, and if the goaltending is average, then, you know, they're probably sixth in in an average division. But but there's a possible upside there as well.
1: Uh, Just yet another reason to get an athletic subscription. You were
0: way ahead of the curve. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host.
1: You wrote about possible expansion sites last spring or late winter. And here we are post-Board of Governors and everybody around the league seems to think it's a done deal. Two more teams are coming at some point.
2: Yeah, well, I think, yeah, I think the the question isn't if, but when, and I think that that's the messaging that that the commissioner tried to uh, pass on to people that, uh, you know, he, he, but this has been his pattern too, Uh, you know, even before Seattle and and Vegas came in, um, most of what he said until they had the actual formal solicitation of expansion bids was, you know, we're listening. Uh, but we want to stabilize the league. We want to make sure we're strong in, in the, the 30 markets that we're in at which they were at, at the time before we think about 31 and, and 32. And so the messaging this week was um, our, our franchises are all stable. You know, there are still questions about Arizona, but they're hopeful that something works out there. And uh, and if they do in the next 12 months, get a positive answer about the building probably that franchise is gonna survive in in, in that market. And then they can look at all of the other areas or in cities that are interested in an NHL team. Um, Salt Lake City apparently is is right there. Uh, That's not a name that you heard very much of until the last 12 to 18 months. Houston, of course, as a natural rival to to Dallas. Uh, The one that has a lot of people scratching their heads is does Atlanta get a team for the third time? Um, I think most people in, in Canada hope that it does because the first Atlanta team ended up in Calgary, the second one in Winnipeg. If they go into Atlanta and it doesn't work, maybe that's how Quebec City gets back. <laughs> but, but you know, to Bill Daly's credit, because he's the one that generally feels the questions of the Deputy Commissioner of the National Hockey League. You know, he basically is saying, you know, in every interview when it comes to Atlanta that the market there has has changed completely. Uh, it will depend, of course, on on where you put... The arena, but but they just feel that uh, um, that there were a lot of things that contributed to the failure of the first two Atlanta franchises, and a lot of it had to do with unstable ownership, especially the second time through. And that if they can sort that out and get it right this time, they will get it right. So there's a lot of a lot of support, I think, for uh, a team in, in Atlanta. So there's at least three american cities that have a, a legitimate chance to be the 33rd and 34th franchises in the national hockey of course you know um there's a lot of people in canada that will say well you know why not quebec city or why not my favorite hobby force of course is the second team in toronto and you know i think that's just not something the commissioner wants to do at this stage of the game even though he works for the owners uh his voice is the most powerful in hockey and he doesn't see the advantage of having a second team in Toronto. And he thinks Quebec city is, is too small now, whether he would come right out and say it as, as brashly as that, probably not, but, but that that's the reality that they feel that, uh, that it would be a very difficult city to, to, to not draw heavily on revenue sharing for the duration of its, of its time in the NHL, even if, even if it did sell out and, and even if it does have a passionate fan base, so. But yeah, it'll be interesting to see where uh, where that goes and and what the time frame will be. I don't think it's uh, like I don't think it's just on it's on the horizon, Rob. I think it's still two three years down the road. I think they I think there's, yeah, I, I think there's a few things they need to sort out. Like slowly but surely, the American television pictures is sorting out that that's kind of been I think probably if you think about. The workload on on Gary Bettman's desk at any given time it changes all the time. But I think in the last six to twelve months, it's sorting out how the regional sports networks are gonna are going to uh, operate this year, and 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 how uh, what used to be a, you know a fairly robust source of revenue is now catch as catch can, and some teams have stronger packages than others. And you know, in every week, you you know somebody signs a new contract, but you don't know what the dollar figure is worth and, and you don't know um you know how effective that's going to be and how many eyeballs will tune in to, to watch those games so this is something that I think they really need to sort out in the next couple or three years and if once they solve that or, or at least you know get a get a, a stronger sense of how much revenue that's going to generate for the the larger business of hockey it's at that point that they might turn and look at expansion again so.
1: So two questions have come out of that. The first one, because you brought up uh, television uh, and the RSNs. Interesting that uh, the Arizona Coyotes are going to have one week to come up with a over-the-air production crew for a a local television station. Eric, for so many years, that was the defense in the argument for the nhl we need to be in these big television markets does that even matter anymore because that was houston right is what number five or yeah. seven
2: yeah yeah and a metropolitan area just in terms of population well it does yeah it does i mean i i do think that you know they're not going there's no um hockey equivalent of, of green bay that that is going to get a, a an expansion franchise in, in in the national hockey league i you know I, the one I, you know when when you think about you know listening to Gary Bettner from the time he took over until now how many times have you heard him use the word footprint right footprint the idea that you know why why are we going into Seattle well we need to a presence in, in the pacific northwest you know why are we going into in to Vegas we need we need a presence in, in that part of the country why are we still in Phoenix because that market is is really important in the grand scheme of things in the United States so I don't think that has changed at all um and and I don't think it will change I think that he believes that um i I think he believes that he still has to have uh every geographic part of the country covered to be a truly national or north american sports league now you know i I think there are um people who know more about television than i do who will tell you that you know that another thing that used to be a big dream of of the national hockey league was having like a real important presence on, on on over the air Television in the states, so the ABC contracts and the NBC, and so on and so forth. And, ju- and just because of the way television has become uh, more diversified and and uh, and, and more scattered, um, it's less important now. But I, they still want to, you know, have you know, a, you know Stanley Cup playoff games on ABC and 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 a little bit of a presence on a on a national um, over the air network, um, but. You know, 30 years ago, that was considered the you know the uh, the cash cow that would that would transform the finances of the National Hockey League, and that's not the case anymore. So, um, so, but you know, we'll we'll see how how it all plays out. I mean, I, I you know, I watch games when I'm in Canada. I watch games when I'm in the states. I'm probably like like a lot of people, you know. Where where am I looking for the games, and how come I can't find it here? Actually, I think you know it's better in Canada than it is in the, in the U.S. You know, here at least you can still get the Center Ice package, and and uh, you know you can if if I can't find the game on either TSN or Sportsnet, I go up uh, up the dial and, and I can find it on my Center Ice package. In the states, when I'm down there searching, I don't know half the time I'm, I'm on Hulu, and then I'm on. You know, Last year I was on Bali and and then you've got. You know the, you know the, the various lo- local affiliates in, in California. It, it's it, it's all over the map. It sometimes takes you five to ten minutes to figure out where the game is tonight, which I don't think is a good thing for the National Hockey League at all.
1: All right, uh, one more on this. Fact check me on a couple of things. One, a um, couple years from now, possibly uh, three billion dollars worth of expansion money for two teams, of which
2: the owners get all of it. Five years from now is my prediction, and yes, under the current collective bargaining agreement, uh, expansion fees are not part of hockey-related revenues, and therefore the players don't uh, share in it. Now, I, I'm guessing that uh, you know when they next go back into the uh, the CBA, that might be something that uh, that the players want to talk about. But for now, um, no, it's not part of HRR. So uh, so that those dollars accrue to. Uh, to the teams themselves. Now, again, if the commissioner was in that box beside me, what he would say is, but then, Rob, if we add a 33rd and a 34th team, that means we divide the pie into 1 134th shares rather than 132nd. So it's not the bonanza that you think it is. And we would just sort of nod our head and then move on.
1: it's the bonanza we think it is. Um yeah, exactly. my last one for you this week. Just tell me about Connor Bedard. <laughs> tell me about Connor Bedard. Um you know we we watched Connor McDavid come in, we were, we were blessed to watch Ovechkin and and Crosby come in. These quote unquote generational players um uh, We've seen quite a few of them when you think Gretzky, and Messier, and Lemieux and Yager in their prime, Ovechkin, Crosby. Now, you know, I guess you have to put uh, Drysylum in that group too, don't you? I mean, the way he plays. And now Connor Bedard. What, what's your expectation for Connor Bedard year one?
2: Well, it's a great question because, uh, and I I don't think you can put Drysdale in that category because although he's that player now, he wasn't that player in the beginning. I mean, he, you know, I'm talking. Yeah, I was talking to my friend Jim Matheson the other day, and he reminded me that you know, in his second year, Drysdale spent the first six games of the season in the minors. There, there was there was a, a much harder transition for him. Than there was for Connor McDavid, who was lights out great right from, from the minute that he got into the league. But when you think about, I would say if you think about McDavid, if you think about Matthews and you think about Bedard right now, what is the commonality there? Even though they have different games, it's confidence. That's the one thing I I look at Connor Bedard, and, and I, I, I'm impressed every single time at how confident he is. Because the one thing that you'll notice, Rob, when players move through the ladders, you know you know if if you're good enough you become a confident player at the junior level and if you're good enough you then you become a confident player at the minor league level and then you become a confident player at the nhl level it's very rare that someone can go from where bedard was last year as a junior and step into the national hockey league and and look like often the best player on the ice and he's just so confident in his own ability he doesn't seem to have any doubt at all that he can make that step and so when i see that You know, I think about how I, you know, I always hedge, you know, young players coming in, you know, if they get 50 to 55 points, it's a bad team. Um, You know, you got to learn the life. And then you see the way he's lighting it up. And I know it's the exhibition season. You can't read too much into it. But... uh, 70 anyway, I think 70 points if he stays healthy, because you know, David didn't in his in his rookie season. Um, you know, that you know, you're he's going to probably on that team draw all of the beasts on defense, all the nights that uh, you know, that opposing coaches can get the matchups that they want. So it's not gonna be an easy road for him. There isn't any way of of playing sheltered minutes behind a more established number one center. Um, but I mean he's he's just been so impressive uh you know all you have to do is watch the sports highlights every night and think wow, you know, wow. And so I think, I, I think there's a lot, um, of, you know, McDavid and a different player, you know, not, not as big, obviously. Uh, but boy, he carries himself with a natural swagger. It's not fake. You know, like sometimes I see players with a swagger and it feels put on to me, but this doesn't feel fake. This feels like the guy who just genuinely believes that he is, he is going to have this impact and not in a cocky way. Like, he, you know, it's not like he's, you know, uh, yeah, you know, you know, it, you know, it, it just—it's it, it, the, the sort of confidence that you want as a manager of a team. You see this guy come in, like, wow, he's checking all the boxes, and he's what 18? That's pretty good. So um, yeah, very, you know, it's, a, it's an exciting time for the National Hockey League to have another player like him come in because, you know, the year before Savkovsky, yeah, great, you know, but you know, uh, I think actually the best player in that drive. That's the other thing, you know, just watching a few. Uh, Arizona highlights here and there. Logan Cooley looks like the real thing too. He, you know, that it, it, he looks like the real thing. If there's anyone that can give Bedard a small run for the Calder Trophy, it would be him. He he looks like a really good player. And you know, again, too early to tell, but he could easily be. Cooley could easily be the best player in that draft, and he went third overall, and and that that's good for Arizona because if you if you have good young pieces coming through and then you have a potential superstar piece to build around, then, you know, it'll be interesting to see where they're at in a couple of years.
1: Good stuff. Eric, I appreciate this. It's good to have you back. It's good to have hockey back. Uh, You're going to uh, join us again next week and then we'll get into our regular uh, bi-weekly rotation. So appreciate this. Encourage everybody to check out the notebook on the athletic today. Thank you, sir. I will talk to you in seven days.
2: All right. Thank you, Rob.
1: Eric DeHatchuk, everybody, brought to you by Ski Sellers Snowboard, com. 76 years in Calgary. Two locations that are open right now, McLeod Trail by Chinook Center, Bow Ridge Road Northwest, two more will open up soon, very, very soon. Skis, snowboards, snow skating, snow skating. Doesn't roll right off, but try it. Check it out, go down, go to the McLeod Trail store. You go in there, they're right there. You can take a look at them. Lots of YouTube videos, but check out the snow skating. And again, ski seller snowboard, com. It is wacky in a way that, you know, Seattle was kind of on the horizon back in 2011, um, when the, uh, when the Vancouver Canucks were playing Boston in the Stanley Cup final. They ended up, um, doing a story in Seattle a possible expansion it was you know it was it was silly I mean I, well, where did this come from why is it just the blowover because the Stanley Cups a couple hours north and and as we found out no there was you know legitimate work being done behind the scenes um, you know Vegas started as a bunch of whispers and people guffawing, going well pro sports will never you know major pro sports will never work at Vegas huh. Take a look at it now with you know the a's moving there and, and they're going to get a, an, a nba expansion team i think we're about to go through an ex, another expansion in pro sports i um uh, disappointed yesterday when the wnba chose not to go to uh to canada but that, that had more to do with the building um you know that mlsc was not in interested in giving up the building dates for concerts, or at least had some concerns about that. And as a result, Portland and San Francisco are getting WNBA expansion teams, but I think we're going to see expansion in baseball. I know uh, Montreal's name keeps getting brought up. I think we're going to see expansion in the NBA. Um, you know, the NFL is always, you know, a touchy subject, but aims over in London in as many weeks, that's not an accident, folks. Um, You know, they played last week and now they're going to host Buffalo there this week. Um, Jacksonville's not a great market uh, by NFL standards. Uh, London has been a great market. I I think with the schedule that the NFL has versus a schedule like the NBA or Major League Baseball or or hockey, I I think conceivably you could have a team in in Europe and and team in London. And I still think that might happen. And, 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 you know, it was funny because when the Columbuses came in, when the Minnesotas came in, when, um, you know, even the San Jose's coming in and Ottawa coming in. Programs like this, which were radio-based and usually at night because we still hadn't had uh, all sports talk then, but it was just coming. You know, there was lots of too much, too much, too much, watering down, uh, where are we going to get the players from? And I don't know if it's... I I don't know the last couple of times that just has not seemed to be the conversation. We don't seem to spend a lot of time worried about the players. Now, hockey is a far more international game. And I think there's really good players out there, but think about adding, you know, 46 more NHL players, four more NHL goalies. Uh, Sure. You could do that. Calgary's got three, right? So other teams have three. So maybe the goalies aren't such a big deal. Um, This is money. It's it's all money. It's always been money. It always will be money. But at least we're in the open about it now. And NHL expansion is about the fact that two more teams will likely bring in the neighborhood of three billion, maybe more in expansion. If it's five years from now, the Ottawa Senators, when the Melnick uh, estate started looking at the sales process. That team was valued by Forbes and others less than five hundred million dollars. American. Then we started to hear, you know, that maybe it was going to go for 800, maybe it was going to go for a billion dollars. It went for what it went for, considerably more than it was originally estimated. But I think expansion fees now, um, you know, you're talking, there's some thought that the Dallas Cowboys could be worth north of $7 billion. You know, the New York Rangers, the Toronto Maple Leafs easily are over worth over $2 billion. Um, I think your expansion fees are going to and, and as I said to Eric, it's money you don't have to split with the players. That's money that goes directly to the teams. You know, the, the, that's what this is all about. Um, I am old enough to remember. Are you old enough to remember NHL European expansion? The thought of perhaps creating a, a European division and having some interlocking play, I think um, – Putin and Russia, is a, you know, has probably poured a lot of cold water on those kind of conversations. But that was initially uh, one of the things that KHL was going to do was take from that, that play, playbook. They were going to have a team in China. They were going to have a team in in Finland and team in Sweden and all of that. And, um, you know, politics have really turned that, you know, dream south. Um, but I think the 90s in and maybe the early 2000s, there was always a conversation about whether or not there'd be expansion into uh, into Europe and whether or not a, a European division in, in hockey in the NHL would be good. Um, lots of effects to this. You know, if you go to 34 teams, you're likely going to have to go to 34 American League teams. Right now, there's 31. Carrots not have a full-time American Hockey League. Plus, reasons for that, most of them are economical. Now we're told they'll have a 32nd American Hockey League next year. Uh, we had two leagues, the International League, the American Hockey League. You could put them where you want them. All of these things are, are ramifications off of that. Um, I, 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 and, and part of me, my heart bleeds for Quebec because I believe Quebec City is, I think they've done everything. I think they've been good soldiers. I think they've done exactly what Bettman and, and Daly have told them to do. On and on and on and on it goes. I just don't see a scenario in which they're going to get maybe maybe, a, you know, maybe Arizona, you know, maybe Arizona doesn't work out and, and uh, you know, they can't get the arena um, and they finally call quits. Maybe they get that. But, you know, conference alignment's going to be something. And, and, and you know, I don't know why we've always been beholden to conference alignment, but here we are anyway. Uh, let's move on to the Calgary Flame, shall we? It was announced yesterday uh, at City Hall, and uh, the province was involved, the province living up to their end of the bargain prior to the election, uh, committed funds to um, some of the work that needs to be done uh, to build an arena um, downtown. I guess it's going to be called the Rivers Project. Um, it's You can go online now. Uh, I said this to Eric. I, I My biggest complaint in all of it, well, two big complaints. Yeah, 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 I know, I know. There's always something, right? You're never happy. I'm ecstatic that they're finally moving on. Um, I have almost covered this story for 20 years. Um, The initial conversations, certainly around 2010, 2011, it heated up. Certainly Calgary Next heated everything up. Um, And then the ongoing drama and the he said, she said, and the middle of the night, you know, kiboshes and tweets coming out from mayors saying it's over and fingers pointed at each other side. Yesterday seemed like everybody's on the same page. Everybody agrees the city needs this kind of infrastructure. Um, I wish there were pictures. I I don't get the sense that anybody's going down down Main Street doing uh, jumping jacks or anything like that. I don't get this. Jumping jacks would be an odd one. Uh, Handstands, how about that? Uh, um, You know, it seems like the concert... Highway to Edmonton has flattened a little bit. I don't. I think next year with Metallica playing in in the in in the Commonwealth Stadium, I think you know we're going to have those conversations again about Edmonton getting you know bigger and better concerts in Calgary. Certainly, the roof the roofs at the Dome does not hold what is being currently used mostly in concerts. And with uh, oh boy, now I'm really getting it deep. But with Spotify and Apple Music and, and digital. Uh, concerts have really become the thing, and and the prices are ridiculous and through the roof, and everybody's doing them, and and you know you want to be a destination. The new arena will allow for that. Um, I'd love to see some pictures. I'd love somebody to tell me about the technology. I'd love I'd love CSEC to lead in this particular scenario. Excited about what's coming. Show you some thing that makes you go that's cool I wonder I can't wait to step inside of that and I'm I'm all I'm doing is going on record like I have a voice in all of this but the community rink I I found it let's deal with that I thought that was really interesting yesterday that a lot of the messaging from the city and the province led with the community rink it's going to be it'll it'll provide Calgary's first downtown community rink well that's cool but it's a billion two project and, and a community rink is not much of it. Um, it's important. Trust me as a, as a, a sports guy as a minor hockey guy. I, I want to see it, but it's disappointing to me. I believe it's a thousand or 1500 seats. It's a, we are going to look back. Edmonton is looking back right now going, we should have built it bigger. They have one. Um, yes, it gets used. Yes. It's, it's awesome. The Oil Kings use it for preseason. The Hitman will use this one for preseason and all of those sort of things. This city, this organization is going to rue the day they did not put a 5,000-seat practice facility arena there that would allow them to sell ice logos at the Western Hockey League level, that would allow them to put building advertising in at the NLL level, all of these sort of things. It's, it's, I... Again, not my money. I'm spending somebody else's money. I get that, um, but let's be perfectly honest. That's the one part of this that I think we're gonna. I love the vision. I love the outdoor plaza. My our dear friend, our wrestling insider and expert, uh, uh, the vice president of retail, Brent uh, Brent <laughs> Brent Killington. Brent Gibbs. Wow, that's a different life altogether. Brent Gibbs, Gibby's going to love it. Like the, the picture has this giant retail space, um, hotels, you know, it's, it's going to, you know, in conjunction with what the BMO expansion has been, I, I think in five to 10 years, this is a world-class awesome thing. That's going to bring NHL all-star games. That's going to bring other events. Um, we need to be as gr- aggressive as Edmonton was about going out and getting events and putting events in the building. Uh, I, I just, I think that's the the future. I just wish that there was a way to build a much more significant secondary rink. I think the city needs it. I think the city could use it. I think it would make good business. I do. Clearly, they don't. And they're the ones that are doing this every day. And they're the ones that are going through the formulas and all those sort of things. But I think we are going to have that conversation when it's all said and done. We should have built a bigger practice facility. And and there's many reasons to do that. I'm excited about the technology that can be in this building. If you look at what's going on um, down in in Vegas with the Sphere. Now, I'm not suggesting for a second that this is going to have, you know, be a big giant circle like the Sphere in Vegas and what they're doing there. But. The, the screens and the technology and and all of these sort of things we're 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 gonna go from pre dial up internet to you know satellite Wi Fi in thirty seconds with this building compared to what the dome is the, the technology my my, my friend J K Jason Kelly who works in ticketing for the Flames. Uh, for CSEC, the tech, the things that they're going to be able to do are going to blow our minds. And that that's, I wish they would share that with us. I wish they'd start. It seems like all we're dealing with are the dollars and all we're dealing with are the players uh, in terms of the different groups that are working and who trusts who and all of that. Anyway, I'm beating this thing to death. Uh, You know what? I'm just looking at it. I want to do this. I got a couple of hockey things I'll come back to Uh, flames in action tonight in Vegas uh, sorry in Vancouver taking on the Canucks this will be it Dustin Wolf was assigned Um, we shouldn't be surprised if Dustin Wolf had pitched shutouts in all of his games and and didn't allow a goal there's a conversation but he's the, the big key in all of this comes down to one thing and one thing only waivers he does not need to pass through waivers so he goes down to the Wranglers and the Flames will start with Markstrom and Vladar. Uh, Matt Coronado seems to have made this team. We're looking at uh, different potential players on the fourth line. Uh, Schwint's name is now in there. I think uh, Connor Zary got his crack up in Edmonton. Um, I, I think we're going to hear from Connor Zary in a while. Uh, we'll see. We'll see. It's going to work that way. I uh, do want to flip, though, to baseball. Let's go to the Jays. Uh, when last we spoke, the Jays were down a game to the Twins. Well, they got swept by the Twins and one of the most ridiculous, mind-numbing decisions that anybody's ever ever seen except for Tampa Bay because they saw it in the World Series against the Dodgers a couple years ago. There's Jose Barrios against his former club, pitching as well as he has as a J, and he gets yanked. And Kikuchi comes in. And now you say what you want. Will and Whit Merrifield was really good about this terrible decision, but they didn't score a run. And he's right. So, you know, we can beat the Bear, uh, Barrios deal till the cows come home, but Bichette and Vladdy Guerrero have got to produce. You know, if you're going to want 40, $50 million as a season or whatever, they're going to want to look part of that season is the postseason and they got to get it done. Having said all of that, I would love would love to be able to sit here and pontificate for you the way that my pal Chris Johnson did yesterday on his podcast so if you get a chance check out CJ's podcast with Julian McKenzie who I'm, I'm becoming a really big fan of um, and CJ came at it from a fan's perspective he, he you know CJ's a writer and a really really good writer and a really bright guy but he's also a Jays fan and his takedown of Shapiro and Atkins was so they've got to go um, sorry, they came over from where they came over from Cleveland. And what was their, what was their claim to flame and came, uh, flame, claim to fame in Cleveland? Ugh. And ugh. now should have never let Alex Anthopoulos go. Cool. Okay. You wonder how long are we going to cry over spilt milk? That's what almost not 10 years, but eight years ago, nine, seven years ago, whatever it was, go get them back. I I, I listen now, Alex Anthopoulos still does lots of Toronto-based me, media. Go get him back. Like I, He's done a great job in Atlanta. The only thing I can add to this conversation, just go get him back. Because MLSE, uh, Sportsnet, Bell, they've got more money than God. Go get him back. Okay, punt these two. Now, they're not going to punch Shapiro because Shapiro is the face of the rebuild of, of the Sky Dome. So he's all over that. So they won't, but they should. And what we saw w- was, again, that intersection of analytics and tradition. And analytics, when it matters, got Beat in this case. I don't know. Frustrating. Uh, God bless the Expos. That's all I will say. I saw this with Jack a couple of days ago. So uh, I was a little caught off guard by how many people considered uh, the Taylor Swift, Travis Kelsey thing a war. Uh, the, the league. Um, Travis Kelsey's come out and said, hey, listen, this is getting a little ridiculous right now. So he's, he's kind of had enough. But there was reports uh, circulating that the NFL put some pressure on its television partners to – there you go. Uh, they're overdoing the situation a little bit, especially my situation. That's what Travis Kelsey's saying. Um, but there was also some talk uh, on front office sports that the NFL may have gone to its television partners and said, boy, it would be really good if you could promote uh, Taylor Swift's movies coming out. So this does have – it's starting to feel like a made-for-TV – promotion by the biggest league in the world, the NFL, or at least the biggest league in the N- in North America. So we'll watch that one with great interest. A um, couple of notes. Uh, the uh, ca- uh, Cavalry will finish off the regular season at home at Adco Field, I believe, tomorrow. Uh, Tommy Wielden, Jr., manager of the month for the second month in a row in the CPL. Of course, uh, they locked into the playoffs and locked in the regular season title about three weeks ago. And our pal, Marco Carducci goalkeeper of the month in September and uh, was with Marco on uh, Monday. He spoke to hockey coaches. As a matter of fact, as part of coaching day and uh, hockey inspires coaching uh, 300 plus coaches at Mount Royal was awesome. And Marco was there. He was awesome. And Jody Carrington too, by the way, if you ever get a chance to catch Jody Carrington, the single best uh, voice I've heard when it comes to, um, Trauma informed coaching and and helping kids and and parents navigate their way through some of this stuff. So there is that. Um, and I will finish with two things: one Western Hockey League good news story and one Western Hockey League news bad story. Start with the bad one. Gosh, who saw this? Wenatchee firing Kevin Constantine yesterday after he was suspended indefinitely by the Western Hockey League. Um, a report was made, uh, to a third party by a player, I believe last week. Um, this, this is again, in 2007, the same guy was nailed with the biggest fine in Western Hockey League history. Um, it should not be surprising. It's, it's again, um, we we got to do a better job here. We just have to do a better job of taking care of the players and old white guys and second chances, man. In sports, we're just getting way too many. And then the good news, though, and I love this like this a lot. Vancouver Giants, tip of the hat to the Vancouver Giants. They are going to salute officials, uh, I believe, later this month. And they are now. I was thinking about this afterwards. Uh, once you see the jerseys, we'll get the jerseys up here in a second. It's going to get a little confusing out there. Uh, but they have become the first hockey team, at least that I'm aware of, that will honor a- officials uh, by wearing jerseys inspired by said officials. So, um, yeah, it's it's cool. I just asked that. There it is. There's the picture. I love it. Um, I was thinking, though, it, so that there wouldn't be any confusion. I kind of wish they would have worn the ones with red like uh, in Slapshot. That would have been really cool. But anyway, I hope that the Giants and the Western Hockey League take this as an opportunity to uh, do more than just honor officials but by promoting and helping their players. Uh, lots of former junior players that are officials of the National Hockey League. It's a path to the NHL for guys. So make sure they do that. And, of course, uh, we uh, I'm a spokesperson for Project Ref for KidSport. So, you know, obviously near and dear to my heart. Um, That will... Do it. No show on Monday uh, because of Thanksgiving. Next Wednesday, Carla McLeod will join us. Uh, and a week from today, Eric Hatchup will come back uh, and join us again. Two weeks from today, really excited. Ken Dryden has a new book out, and Ken's going to join us. And I've had the opportunity to interview Ken before and I always enjoy my conversation. Challenging. They are challenging. He makes you think. He really does. Uh, but I always enjoy those conversations. So, with that said, that will do it. Thanks, to Eric DeHatchuk. Thanks to Oodle Noodle and the studio. And by the way, a third Oodle Noodle studio is on the way. And by uh, speaking of which, next Wednesday, the uh, Flames uh, have their home uh, have their season opener. Uh, You can join us. We will have a a season opening party. Uh, Barnburner's hosting it. So make sure you check that out. It's all over our social. And then Afterburner uh, comes back post-game that night. So we'll have another season of Afterburner. Thanks to Eric DeHatchuk from The Athletic. Thanks to RJ, our producer today. Have a great Thanksgiving, everybody. And we will see you next Wednesday.